to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, Charlotte. Huh, Luke? I'm Captain Captain Jingway of the USS Fort Venture. Captain Captain Jingway of the USS Fort Welcome to the greatest generation, Voyager. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. We're all switched around. You're you're back in the studio with me. Yeah. It's an in-person record, but I moved the couch to the other side of the room. Yeah. Now the light is on my face and you're backlit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're staring into the sun and also my face. Yeah, yeah. Very comparable. Yeah. Two sources of, of bright radiance cast upon me. Wasn't that uh, like one of the examples of the Mandela effect is that everyone thought that the Raisin Brand son wore sunglasses, but he really doesn't? Oh. I mean, it would be insane for a son to wear sunglasses. I mean, except if he looked in a mirror, I guess. Wasn't the Raisin Brand son a baby? Or is that the Teletubby son? That is definitely the Teletubby son. <laughs> Man, you've been uh, you've been catching up on the tubs, haven't you? Yeah, I've been watching a lot of, been, a lot of tubs in my free time. <laughs> you've been uh, been watching binge. <laughs> you've been been what? <laughs> Fuck, <laughs> that's staying in. <laughs> you've been binge watching the tubs. Yeah, yeah. Have you on the tubs? You know, I'm watching wow. the Teletubbies on their on their Teletubbies. Wow. Um, and I've also been going I'm, to the. I'm dressed strip. like one of the tubs right now. I've got kind of a dull yellow shirt on. That's yeah. that's one of the tubs, isn't it? Yeah. Tinky winky, tinky winky. Oh. <laughs> uh, I've also got all Harriet Tubman twenty dollar bills. So I'm right. I go to the strip club and I throw tubs. Oh, you do. Yeah. You must. Yeah. I've never been to a strip club. I want to make that abundantly clear. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> definitely put that out in the world. I have, and I'm I'm not ashamed to say that I have. Well, I'm a sex negative shame man, so put that in your pipe and smoke it. I only I've only ever supported the positively reinforced strip clubs of the of the Portland, Oregon oh, yeah. area, the uh, employee owned vegan yeah. strip clubs of the Portland, Oregon area. Absolutely. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. That seems uh, seems like a reasonable way to do it. Ethically sourced boobies. <laughs> reasonable strip club consumption. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. that's what I advocate for. Sustainable, <laughs> local, farm you know, you to table porno. You go to some places in the world, and the the strippers have been stripped completely. Mm -hmm. There's nothing left. Right. Yeah. That's uh you know strip mining is uh is a lot worse for the environment than and a lot of people think. And the strip clubs capture carbon. It's one of the few ways that, that we're able to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, Adam, I'm worried we're going to get a little bit of resistance for this line of, uh, of Marin Open. Yeah, I think uh, caution is really the, the word of the day here mm -hmm. when I think about this episode that we just watched. Yeah. So do you want to get into season two, episode 12 of Star Trek Voyager? It's called Resistance. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. <laughs> we cold open in Sandrine's. <laughs> Wait a second. That's not Sandrine's. There's yeah. no pool tables out here. You can tell this ain't Sandrine's because everyone's fucking. <laughs> yeah, they busted out the costumes for this away mission. It's a totally different milieu yeah. than we're used to. Neelix is giving me kind of Penguin from the second Tim Burton Batman movie energy. I was their number one son. 
and they treated me like number two. It's the confidence yeah. to me that does it. It's a fun mode to see him in. And I like that he has this gear. I kind of wish he would pull this gear a little bit more often. Yeah. They, he got like a vial of some kind of substance. He's asking people if they're carrying a little, uh, little weed going, you know. We should set the scene. This is all taking place in an alien bazaar full of bizarre aliens. Mm-hmm. And it's an away mission that they are doing out of uniform. They're incognito in this alien bazaar. But a number of members of the crew, including the captain, agree that this substance is just the right thing. But they got to get some more of it. And so Neelix is off to the store to max out the corporate credit card of Starship Voyager for more of this stuff when the cops bust in. And these are like cops mixed with motorcycle bad guys. A real Star Trek mashup, if ever there was one. I happened upon a G.I. Joe movie a few nights ago. Oh, one of the live action ones that, yeah. that are terrible? The uh, the G.I. Joe Extended Universe films. <laughs> and They got these, a new one of those coming, right? Yeah, a new one called Snake Eyes. And I was going to make the comment that the all of these cops yeah. look like Snake Eyes. They're wearing the black motorcycle helmet. They're wearing the black motorcycle gear. Yeah. The whole deal. A cooler helmet than you usually get in a TV show of this era. Agreed. I would say. Yeah. But this turns into like a fist fight and then a firefight. And the fight does not go well, Enterprise. Janeway catches one in the neck. And BLT and Tuvok are arrested. And Janeway, instead of being uh, taken into custody, is is rescued by a, a man. And we don't really get to see like the form that this rescue takes. He like runs up on one of these cops and then we kind of fade to to black before we see him do awesome MMA moves on him, presumably. (laughs) Like, I'm not really like we meet this guy later. I'm not sure how he overcame this cop. (laughs) Well, what it did was plant the seed of suspicion in me throughout, especially once we get to know this person, like how did this guy do that and get away with it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was one of a couple of moments in this episode that that strained credulity. And I really like your take that this was, this is there to throw us off. But uh, spoiler alert, that's not it what it's there for. <laughs> <laughs> so after the theme, we're in engineering with uh, Kim and Chakotay, where we get a greater amount of context about this material that they're down on the planet surface to get. They are desperate yeah. for this and th- it's because they need it for their warp engines they're yeah. already on low power mode we're gonna reduce our power demands even further we're gonna have to drop the shields right you know when you go on a long road trip especially if you're gonna go through a hot climate you you want to take the car into the dealership get a tune-up you know make sure the brakes are good make sure you've got all the fluids at their desired level And, you know, maybe the Voyager, if they'd known they were going to be on a 75-year trip home, would have gone into the shop before they... They would have gone to a a better station than Deep Space Nine. (laughs) They wouldn't have relied on Chief O'Brien. I am Chief Miles Edward O'Brien. This is fucking spectacular. To get them ship-shaped for their mission. Yeah. But no, the ship is really fucked up. And the substance that they were down on the surface working on acquiring is something that they're going to need to keep the nacelles from locking up forever. The comparison that came to mind to me was like how bad it is to just run a car out of gas. Right. 
bad things happen when you go all the way <laughs> out of gas. <laughs> I've, I've done it more than once. I was going to say I can't believe that, but I utterly believe that. <laughs> I did it. Um, I took a year off after uh, fucking up college the first time around. Mm-hmm. And I wound up after spending a couple of months sitting on a couch getting a job where I had a, a quite a long commute and my father lent me his Prius. This was like the 2003 model of the Prius. And it was like a total miracle, like how many miles per gallon it could get. It could get like 45 if you were pretty careful with it. And so like I would be on the 880 freeway and I'd be like, I'm 20 miles from home and I've got what it appears to be a gallon left in the tank. And this thing has a 45 mile range. So I'm good. I'm good, baby. I'll get I'll get gas at the gas station that's right near our house. And two different times that summer, <laughs> I had to pull over on the side of the road and do that like shameful ass walk to a gas station off the highway. Buy, you were the highway walker. Buy a can of gas with five gallons in it. No way. Yeah. yeah. That always seems scary to me when I see a biker or a walker on the highway. Yeah, I don't like that at all. You're not wrong. It's scary as hell. <laughs> So that's the kind of condition that Voyager is in. Hey, can I ask you how much of that experience is shameful? Like, are you embarrassed when you're walking with the gas can? Are you embarrassed when you walk into a gas station on foot? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I this think- is a this is Star Trek Shamecast, so yeah. this is actually related to what we do. I think that one of the times it was bad because the gas station didn't have a way. Like, I could buy gas but they didn't have any gas cans to buy Mm -hmm. i was like stuck in like like a way that was like really hard to figure out my way out of and the guy working at the gas station definitely was amused at my plight and i felt like a real schmuck standing there in front of him like yeah i like was wildly overconfident about how much (laughs) fuel i had in my tank There's only one version of that story that the gasman has ever heard, right. and, that, and that's the version. Right. I got too cocky. Right. I ran out of gas. I got too cocky. I ran out of gas. But or I mean, I think that you could just be like oblivious person and run out of gas. I was definitely overconfident person, and 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 being overconfident and having that come and bite you in the ass is a is definitely a shameful experience. No one is oblivious on the Voyager. No one is cocky on the Voyager. If anything, people are starting to freak out. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought that that scene was really interesting. Like, there is a structural thing about writing an episode of television that the beginning of the episode is all about setting up problems. And this problem is solved in this scene. Did you get the Telerium? Yes, I have it. Then we need you here. Prepare to beam directly to engineering. Neelix was not among the people that got arrested. He shows up. He's got the material. They're able to stabilize the reaction and, like, turn things around with the warp core. And, like, the, you know, the numbers are looking good. And they're they're out of the woods. That construction you're describing is also related to the order of problem operations here. Because once Neelix makes with the Telerium... That is the first thing to deal with, even ahead of the kidnapping and imprisonment of their crew. Right, because it's like, the whole fucking ship. Yeah, if if they don't fix that. Yeah, and I liked how how we realized that right up top. How emblematic those choices are at this point. I love how this planet feels 
fully realized. It has politics that are complex and only really hinted at. And we don't really know who the Mokra are or who any of these other groups are. Like, it seems like there were like lots of different species of aliens in that, in that bazaar. So it's not a planet that's like super isolationist or cut off or anything, but it's a planet that like really acts super differently from the kinds we are used to. And I think that this episode has an interesting level of restraint, like, there's no McLaughlin group in this where somebody kind of characterizes this planet in one sentence. Right. This isn't Klingons. They're a warrior race obsessed with honor. And so this problem is is chewy. It's like we've got the ship barely fixed. We're like hiding behind this moon. And now we need to go show our face to the like authorities on this planet and say like, hey, uh, we actually are really hoping you'll help us out and let us get our crew members back and we'll never bother you again. I like Neelix's instrumentality in this moment because he's like, they are not going to like this. (laughs) Because what he does is he sets us up for a conflict right away. And when the conflict doesn't come, when this Mokra guy shows up on screen, we're like, something is wrong here. Yeah. And we feel it in a more visceral way than I think if Neelix was not there to set the table and there was a firefight even. Yeah. It's, It's an equally opposing sense of feeling here yeah did you clock ogris the third magistrate of the mokra order i mean he's a real tng that guy he's been he's been the guest star in a couple of episodes yeah he was i feel like he is playing this character very similarly to the captain of the romulan ship in data's day Mm -hmm. when uh, the fake Vulcan ambassador absconds to the Romulan ship. Like he is so chilly. He like gives up nothing and makes a slight performance toward being cordial, but is clearly just like undermining them at every opportunity. Well played, Captain. Well played. A real fun cameo by this guy. I love his performance throughout this episode. He's really one of the bright spots of it. He's a real like our policy kind of guy. Yeah. Our policy, Voyager, <laughs> is not to seat parties until every member is present. There's a there's a way about his pronunciation of words and stuff and the pace, the rapidity of his dialogue also. Yeah. That he's so cool it's threatening. <laughs> I love that about him. <laughs> yeah, like you can see why like Chicote might be engaging in some wishful thinking when he says, I'm gonna look into seeing if there's anybody bit that has been detained down here but you don't have a lot of hope and it is smash cut to the jail cell where uh, blt and tuvok have been imprisoned and uh it's got one of those invisible force fields that hurts like hell when you touch it yeah touch it and find out she does (laughs) i feel like on a uh federation starship the force field is there but you could like put your hand right against it it's not there to like punish you for attempting to touch it it's something that the criminals who operate within the Federation jurisdiction must really find comforting. Like, yeah. Those Briggs are going to be fine. Mm-hmm. One thing I learned when I was locked up by the police in Queens was uh, the, the holding cell was really dirty and gross. Like there was a brown stain around the perimeter of the room at head height where people were, there was like a bench around the perimeter and people would sit on the bench and lean their head against the wall. And, you know, it was just like, 
a decade of head grease <laughs> had built up on the wall. Uh, and it's uh, gnarly. You know that, that that force field doesn't it doesn't retain grease. So you could lean against that just fine. You stay perfectly clean. Yeah. It'd be I mean, to be locked up in the twenty fourth century <laughs> it's really the Sounds ideal. great. Yeah. There's coffee in that prison. Janeway comes to in a different place, a private residence. And we get the humming and talking to oneself of a person that we will soon come to find is quite disconnected from reality. I got some real misery vibes here right away, (laughs) intentionally or not. Like I'm looking for the sledgehammer and the block of wood. (laughs) I'm scanning the room for that. Is this what you're looking for? But it doesn't take long before we realized just how gentle Calum is. Yeah. Calum believes Janeway to be his daughter who was missing. And I feel like she does an interesting job with that. Like she, she at some points kind of humors him speaking to her as though she's his daughter. And other times is like, I'm captain Janeway of the Federation starship Voyager. I need to like find my crew and get the fuck out of here. And It doesn't seem like he has latched into reality enough to make it a problem that she oscillates a little bit between those two positions. When we first see the captain on this away mission, you're like, God, is she going to be able to like hang undercover? (laughs) Yeah. But this is one of those scenes that supports the argument that she could because initially she's like blowing this guy off and being Captain Janeway, but she softens when she realizes the company she's with and, and she has to change her methods well and and he is so doting like the way he he treats her as a daughter is so like i mean he does not feel threatening in the slightest when he hugs her she really softens here yeah at the end of the scene and uh god she promised herself she wouldn't fall in love (laughs) (laughs) here we go again yeah. Captain Janeway. This isn't somebody that Tom Mervins needs to worry about, though. It's somebody that, like, Fred Janeway has to worry about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Mokraman meets with Chakotay in a, for some reason, darkened room on the Voyager. <laughs> and I love this choice, right? There is no reason why the room is this dark except yeah. to present an idea of a threat visually. Yeah. He's a spooky man. Maybe he came in and they, they were like, Commander Chakotay will be with you in five minutes. And he like went and like lowered the rheostat. It supposes a light sensitivity to him that... Yeah, maybe he's from the mirror universe. We don't know. Yeah, maybe. The stuff that Kira wears in the mirror universe is definitely coming from a similar tailoring outfit as, mm. as what he wears. Very observant of you. That kind of like pleated leather shit. Self-control is such an asset in a situation like this. And you can tell that Agris is holding all the cards here purely from that standpoint alone. Chakotay is a little bit rattled by this. Yeah. There is this like implication of a, a complicated bureaucracy that Agris can't... Like, you always get the sense that Agris would love to help, but there's only <laughs> so like much... He's like De Niro on Copland. My hands are tied. And you blow <laughs> yeah. it! And, and so Chakotay is like forced to be like, okay, like I know that you don't make the rules. It's like getting on the phone with customer support of like your cable company. 
That's that's basically who Agris is. I want an alternative to sitting here waiting for him to get back to us. He needs Chakotay to believe him to be that because we also get to see him on the other side. And it's like, it's very interesting to, to see the faces he presents in different contexts. You understand just how dangerous he is because of that sequence, right? Yeah. Because when we go back into the cell and we're with him with Tuvok and BLT, it's a totally different version of him. Not so different that he that his energy is different, yeah. but his menace is different in that context. Yeah. So what he believes when when you see him talking to BLT and Tuvok is that they are in contact with the resistance and he he basically wants them to like like rat out the the higher ups in the resistance food chain in order to get better treatment. We know you're helping the subversives. I want names. And they're like, hey, <laughs> like we literally snuck onto this planet six hours ago to get like one kind of material. And we were like about to leave. We don't know the resistance. Wish we could help. You seem like a great guy. <laughs> could use a little color in your wardrobe. But besides that, mm-hmm. I'm sure you're doing great here. You're not a winter. Why all the dark, <laughs> all the dark tones? <laughs> yeah. So he doesn't buy the uh, we don't know anything about the resistance stuff. It almost turns into a jailhouse riot when BLT starts throwing her hands around, but they take Tuvok out of there. They're like, this guy hasn't had his face brutalized in a couple of episodes. We need to change that. We talk about the quality of this a lot on the hit new Star Trek podcast, The Greatest Discovery, but how many feels are associated with feeling responsible for someone else's pain or leaving someone behind? And how how much more acute that is than even having a punishment or pain visited on the character themselves. And this episode doesn't really dive into that directly, but there are some nice scenes here where BLT is made to feel the guilt of that. I mean, you just picture her sitting there like wondering what is happening. And I mean, you get to see it later too, but like it, it... I think they did a great job of like showing that that meant a lot to her that that like had a big impact on her. Yeah. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books. They send in paintings they send in uh, crochet work it's so cool 
And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Back in the apartment with Captain Janeway and Neil Lenny. <laughs> kind of a Neelix Lenny hybrid. <laughs> That's what I coughed him as. I don't know. I don't think that name's going to stick around. Mm, yeah. I mean, he takes that necklace and. He holds it up, you know, he, he spreads it to, to show it to her and he just pulls it right apart because he doesn't know his own strength. First of all, Captain Janeway likes this person a lot more than Neelix, I think. <laughs> she, she says to him, you seem a little bit nutty, but you, you've raised my spirits. Have you ever considered being a morale officer? <laughs> How are you in the kitchen? I think I could make a job opening. <laughs> this is... If you are Joel Grey, the centerpiece scene of the entire episode. Yeah. Because you get a single take with him that, to me, represents the audition tape for the episode here. One long, unbroken monologue facing the camera, Janeway's in soft focus behind. Right. It is really great. And it's, I think... It has to happen at this point in the episode and not later because silly stuff happens later. And if too much silly front loads the Calum character, I, I don't know if you're going to buy this moment the right. way that you buy it here. Yeah, it's a really intense moment. And this actor didn't look familiar to me. He's like 
out of that guy. And I was kind of surprised at how much weight fell on his shoulders in this scene. Like he's basically saying like from his perspective, he is talking to his daughter about the fact that her mother, his wife is locked up in a Mokra prison. And what Janeway is getting out of it is like, I'm finding out about the prison where my people are likely locked up and trying to make a plan about how to go rescue them. And he is off on his own emotional plane of existence. Like he's talking about this letter that he wanted to write or like, I guess he did write it, but lost it. Like it's, it's also hard to tell like how much he perceives the passage of time. He's like very deeply traumatized man. And you come to understand a lot of why in this scene. Joel Gray won an Oscar for Cabaret. Like, like he is a he's an actor of note. He's also Jennifer Gray's dad. No kidding. Which is some awesome trivia. I did not know that. Yeah. I mean, we never do research on this show, but when you stand out in an episode the way Joel Gray does, I couldn't help but see what his deal was. Yeah. And once you scrape off the nose clit <laughs> and see who's underneath the man rowing the boat between his eyes. Yeah. He's really talented. Did he have a piercing in his nose clit? Oh, I don't know. Pretty kinky. I, mean, I think I think probably some people do. Yeah. On this planet. I think he, I think you might have had a piercing in there. So the Mokra cops bust in toward the end of this moment. Yeah. The the Mokra cops really are very similar to stormtroopers in many ways, but when they come to a door that is locked, they do not move along. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they fucking kick it in and storm into like like they they like leave through a trap door or something but these cops run in like they're about to get in like the firefight of their lives <laughs> that was very funny it's really true they have no chill these mokra cops no no chill at all it's got to be kind of a relief if you're them like oh it's empty that's why no one came to the door yeah obviously <laughs> Imagine if, if like, cops always acted like this. Anytime they came across a locked door, they were like, we have to clear this building. <laughs> Imagine being the Mokra who are revealed later to have, like, a planetary weapon system that is equal to any Federation starship at repelling them. Yeah. But also, like, no technology that could scan through a door. <laughs> Well, you know, like different elements of technology ad advance at different rates in different cultures. And these guys really focused on their yeah. planetary defense technology. Very true. So Janeway and Calum are back in the bazaar looking to buy some weaponry. And so they're trying to find a member of the resistance. But they're they're standing there like looking around when uh, Ogris walks in with a couple of cops. Like imagine like the top cop on this planet happens to be walking through the same bazaar as them. I mean, I've always thought like street patrol would should be what, what more officers do. Yeah, get out of the cars, interact yeah. with people. Totally. Community be, be part policing. of the community. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyone who's ever seen uh, The Wire knows this. Right, yeah. He's kind of a Bunny Colvin type. <laughs> there, there are parts of this planet where it is legal to do starship material heists. When Neelenny, I'm still not sure I'm going to stick with that. Yeah. <laughs> Cops Moker Man, he almost blows their cover. Like, it actually really rattles him. Monster! The resistance dude that they are looking for wanders into the bazaar and gets fingered almost immediately by Agras and is 
about to be taken into custody because he gives bad answers to bad questions. <laughs> and Caleb uh, comes in and kind of does a little character work. Like, he plays a silly man who has lost his silly hat. I seem to have lost my hat. <laughs> and... It is so amusing to the cops, so distracting to the cops that the resistance guy is able to slip away. You can't get this part wrong. And I feel like the the degree of difficulty here was extreme. Yeah. This is not funny in a laugh at Calum way, though many of the people in the scene do. Right. But it's important that you don't laugh at him as the viewer. You believe that they are laughing at him and we are seeing the horrible danger that he is putting himself in to make them laugh. This was the scene where I thought, is he secretly smart? Is Calum acid rain man? <laughs> <laughs> That's the name I'm sticking with the rest of the episode. I dig it. I mean, by the end of this scene, he's got a roll in his mouth and a half a lemon on his head that Agris has put there. And that also... What, what size lemons do you grow? This was the size of a helmet. I said a, I said melon. You said lemon. Did I say lemon? Yeah, you did. Oh, man, I'm really losing my shit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> listen... <laughs> the Greatest Generation is a podcast that believes that there is a difference between melons and lemons. We've always said that. That was a slip of the tongue by me. <laughs> no, but like I thought in this scene also that that could be telegraphing that he and Agris were in league in some way. Like, right, because he gets away with it. He gets away with it. Agris does not seem to notice that the apparently high priority target that they have apprehended has disappeared. And like this does seem to be like a thing that has happened twice now that the cops on this planet fail to apprehend somebody and just drop it. Like in the grand theft auto parlance, you get like half a star going and you turn around the corner and the star goes away immediately on this planet. Yeah. Like there's never Homeland security Humvees converging on you from every angle. I think a big, big part of whether or not you can ride for this episode comes from if you think this is intentional or not intentionally, making the case that Agris and Kayla might be in league and using that as a form of tension throughout the episode. Yeah. I do not believe that that is intentional. I think we're looking for things that aren't there. Yeah. It's hard to say. The next scene is in the prison where BLT is trying to escape. There is a... Conveniently, there's a ladder. Weird ladder on the wall that gets up to the highest part of the cell, which has like spiky bars. And she's up there like straining against the spiky bars when she hears screams that she can only assume are those of her shipmate Tuvok. Great moment here. Dark moment. Way more screaming out of Tuvok this season than I would have bet. Yeah. Yeah. Like if the line on Tuvok screams is one and a half screams, I might take the under on that. Right. I might take the under on that for the whole series. <laughs> and now we're at two. Yeah. Vulcans are capable of suppressing certain levels of physical pain. Do I have a mark on my face? 
It really hurts. One of the ways that I think this episode succeeds is that the answers aren't easy. This next scene on Voyager is emblematic of that. Like, Neelix is describing the defenses of this prison, and there seems to be an adequate defense for every sort of strategy that Voyager would deploy. Right. And then Chakotay is like, fuck, fine, Kim, figure it out, and then walks <laughs> out of frame. Yeah, figure out the, the, the jailbreak, Kim. Yeah. And I think that's way above his rank. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's fair. I mean, he's Kim is such an interesting character in terms of his utility because he can be like the acting head of engineering when BLT is away. Is he brilliant? I Has the show made the case for that though? In the way that Chakotay seems to here? It it's yeah, it's interesting. He's not treated like a boy genius no. the way Wesley was, but he does seem to get like they really trust him to like chew through a problem like this. Like solo. <laughs> Like a problem that like Data and Jordy would have gotten an entire B plot to work on. I don't know what else is more important for Chakotay to be working on, but like something that isn't said in this scene is Kim. I need you to come up with a plan to save the captain. I've got some bindle duties to attend to. I mean, that could be low key the thing though. I mean, maybe Chakotay has got his eyes on that big chair. There is a moment where it seems like Chakotay is ready to like save the ship and sacrifice the captain, the head of security, and the chief engineer. You take them off the board, how soon do you think the ship becomes Makeweaves? Like, in actuality, like right. in label and in the way it's run. I mean, it's hard to say. Like, I feel like Chakotay is now complicated enough of a character that I might buy that he like stays hard Starfleet. At, like Seska comes back the next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe they just like join up with a Kazon sect and, and uh, decide that uh, they're not headed home after all. The six episode arc where the Voyager turns Mayquees, they repaint the ship. <laughs> Chakotay's wearing a new uniform and Seska comes back before Janeway breaks herself out of prison with Tuvok and everyone else. And, and then they like retake the ship. That's a great season. That would be a great season. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Down on the planet, Janeway and this resistance guy are negotiating. She wants to make a purchase of weapons. He says that she's got enough to buy weapons with the necklace that, uh, what are we calling him? Acid Rain Man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's also saying like, your break into prison thing is a suicide mission. And it's not gonna it's not gonna go well. What is this necklace made out of also? Is it valuable? It is to me. The suggestion that it could be traded for not just like a, a Saturday night special, but like a cache of weapons <laughs> sufficient to break into a prison yeah, an is really interesting to it's me. An arsenal worth of uh, <laughs> yeah. gold pressed latinum or whatever. What's great about this moment is that Captain Janeway is playing the long game here. She trades the necklace for the weapons and then the weapons for a few other things. And then she has a house by the end of it. (laughs) Yeah. I think that uh, she does trade the weapons for hostages at one point, but not her crewmates. And that's like, that's like the main thing you trade weapons for. Like, I'd say be a little bit more specific in which hostages you want to get. Real missed opportunity there. Yeah. But she trades those hostages for a a car and then the car for the house and it's like this is a great scene up next at the drop where you get those stressful feelings of the guy's supposed to be here why is he late what's going on you always show up early for the drop because uh otherwise it might be that the drop is on you exactly 
and they, they're looking for a guy in a blue vest. <laughs> he's get, he's he's just going to get off work. He worked at Best Buy. He he will be down here right after. But he's three hours late, and he finally shows up. They're like hiding behind some, uh, I don't know, probably a stand uh, covered in lemons again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it's really amazing that a uh, a car chase doesn't knock over all these lemons. I know. It's one of the classic things that happens to lemons. It's right there. And car all chase. those all those carts. Carts of lemons. Of lemons. Yeah. That's <laughs> weird. Yeah, you gotta wonder if this is gonna pay off later on. But they clock this dude and, and they're about to go up and make contact when Janeway gets a load of his shoes. He's got the wrong shoes. This is a classic undercover cop thing. Yeah. The shoes give them away all the time. Yeah. They're they're military and they're super clean. A resistance fighter would never have boots like this. Yeah. They'd have like converse with anarchy symbols drawn on them in ballpoint pen, right? Yeah, not like these. Not like these. You can see your face in those boots. Yeah. So we're going to have to re-strategize. This is not the, the path to breaking into the prison we thought it was. Back in the cell, Tuvok gets returned to sender all messed up. Fucked up. Like, even more fucked up than the time he got yeah, warmed when, up. When he got freshened up by Cass, he was ready to go to work that hour. Right, yeah. Well, I guess he did have the... He was, like, rushed straight to Six Bay in that context. And in this context, he's just brought back to the cell and left to enjoy his wounds. My favorite part about this scene is that Tim Russ never looks at... Roxanne Dawson here. And that's how you can tell how badly things went. They're talking about his like Vulcan ability to suppress pain. And this went beyond that mark. Jesus, what happened to your face? I knew it. I'll have chicken wings. The terminology is vague enough, but it implies that it was like extremely rugged. I never want to see jumper cables ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Miss me with a bed frame that has all of the... Padding taken off of it. Combination. Not a fan. I like this trivia, though. And I feel like most viewers would feel the way BLT does in this moment. Like, I thought you were impervious. Yeah. What happened to your your Vulcan stoicism? Knowing that there are limits and that they were reached in the next cell where she could hear uh, comes as a surprise to everyone. It's a scene that makes you... Really admire, like, how strong Tuvok is. And it's also, like, it's so senseless because he actually doesn't have any information. Like, the, it, it, it is like, I don't know who needs to hear this, but torture doesn't work for this reason. Yeah. <laughs> like, half the time you're inflicting it on somebody that can't even help you. I know there's some greatest gen viewer out there who is listening to those words, Ben, and is, and is ready to change their mind. Mm-hmm. They're, yeah. they're ready to stop torturing. They're like, uh, this is this is like my one piece of media that I'm allowed to get access to at this CIA black site that I work at. As, as maybe I need to s- switch careers. As that person incidentally hears you say that as they put the headphones onto a prisoner playing our show <laughs> at top volume. <laughs> the wall starts to crack a little bit mm-hmm. in their heart. Mm-hmm. Well, they got in trouble for playing Katy Perry. She didn't like uh-huh. that. She's a lot more litigious than we are. This prison is a great scene to imply how many valences there are in the story, right? Because we see the weapons trader right. from earlier being 
what I thought perp walked in front of them. Yeah. Maybe he's being perp walked, but but really, like the the truth is, whatever the reason he's there suggests that it was a trap. Right. Or retroactively could put Janeway in trouble because if he gets tortured the way Tuvok was, all of a sudden he's going to give up a lot more about Acid Rain Man and Captain Janeway's plans. It's good scene order, though, because I feel like if we'd seen him before yeah. the scene where Janeway clocks the guy's boots, it would have been less of a surprise to us. Yeah. And it would, I don't know. Yeah. But it's like a sequence of things. I like that we're staying in the prison a while. We meet Glenn Morshower as a guard who is like one of my favorite that guys ever. One of my favorite that guys ever who is always either like Secret Service, yeah. police sergeant, guard. Like he, he always plays somebody like this. He's great. He's great. He is guarding, I guess, the exterior of the prison. And Janeway has gone to a deep V format with her civilian attire. And walks up and it's sort of implied that she is like a lady of the night that is there to uh, conduct some business with these prison guard guys. Yeah, I think the glittery fuck scarf really makes the case. I had read that, and I didn't see this, but the preview to the episode makes this the centerpiece of the story. Oh, interesting. Captain Janeway has to decide whether to sacrifice her body for her crew <laughs> or risk losing the Voyager forever. It's it, it's something like that the in 90s. a really kind of gross way. What the fuck? Yeah. But, you know, in saying that, I also want to talk about the performance here. Yeah. Because Kate Mulgrew in this scene is excellent. Yeah. And what she does with her voice and her physicality, I think, is Nana Visitor-like. Yeah, and it's like a gear that we don't get to see her in very often as captain. It's a gear we don't see many captains in. Like, like there was the one scene where Picard masqueraded as a sex worker uh, on that one away mission, right. and that and that yeah didn't go very well. But yeah. outside of that, I can't really think of another captain who had to do this. Right? Yeah, it was just Picard. It's yeah. Picard and Janeway are the only two. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> So, uh, at this point... That, what happened on that Borg ship, Picard? <laughs> <laughs> That's the preview to the Best of Both Worlds Part 2. <laughs> Captain Picard has to decide whether or not to sacrifice his body for the good of the Federation. Yeah, a lot of people don't remember what he did with the Borg Queen. Yeah. <laughs> to get them out of that situation. We were very close, you and I. You can still hear our song. Well, she beats the shit out of this guard. Yeah. How dare you, sir? Yeah. And uh, the great thing, like, she she actually beats the shit out of two guards and gets two guns for her trouble. Yeah. Uh, is somehow able to hack the security system. And I thought that she was hacking her way in. This was an open door that had two guards on it. Yeah. And, and what she is doing is hacking the security system to throw up a force field in between her and Acid Rain Man because she does not want him coming into the jail with him. You're not coming with me. Of course I am. Settled this. It's so cruel because the story with Acid Rain Man is that he wants to break into this prison so badly because he believes Captain Janeway is his daughter and together they can go rescue her mother, which is his wife. Right. And he is so disconnected from reality that that's not an asset for this mission. Like she cannot risk having him there with her. 
So it's kind of a heartbreaking moment when he's locked out. Yeah. I didn't like it. I didn't like it either. And the and we know that the force fields hurt, so they can't do that thing where they put the hands up on either side of it can't and say, it. "I'm sorry, I I can't take you with me" yeah. or any of that. It's tough. Yeah. And up on Voyager, it's tough to not be invited places, huh, <laughs> Ben? <laughs> you want to be invited to my family reunion? What are you talking about? <laughs> No, I'm just talking about generally you must not be invited many places. Oh, <laughs> I'm fully vaxxed, my friend. I'm, mm. I'm invited everywhere. That's the great thing about being fully vaxxed. It's going to hurt even more to be fully vaxxed and still not invited places. <laughs> of course, it's locked in. Do it. Listen to me very carefully because I'm only going to say this once. Do it. On the Voyager, they're trying this thing where they're uh, using the deflector dish to like make it look like they're beaming down all over the planet to kind of throw off the Mokra authorities. This seemed like a variation of the beam dozens of security guys into his San Francisco girlfriend's apartment plan. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is Harry Kim using his experience to, right. to his advantage. He says, Commander, we are we are not implying that we're beaming anyone down behind one of those weird screens that sexy <laughs> ladies change clothes behind in <laughs> movies and television, but in no other context. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you want one of those for your house, you actually have to get one from like a Hollywood surplus store. <laughs> there are no home goods centers that sell that item. Yeah, yeah. look for one in an Ikea. I dare you. <laughs> You'll be in there for a month. <laughs> On this episode of This Old House, <laughs> we're constructing something you've likely never seen in a store. One of the homeowners is a very sexy lady who has to change from her onstage garment to a sexy negligee. And there's only one place to do that. There are no plans for this item. <laughs> so we're going to have to improvise. <laughs> it's the classic carpenter's lament. We get a banger here, Ben. Uh-huh. They're getting shot at from the planet. The Mokra have knocked out the deflector array. Yeah. Which, uh... Last time I checked would be a big problem for a speedy getaway situation. Yeah. Because <laughs> you need that to keep shit from punching holes in your ship as you move through space, right? You need a deflector dish for attempting to destroy Borg cubes, communicating with the Borg collective far mm -hmm. away. Right. And for uh, cow catching and pushing shit out of the way when you're at warp. Yeah. Ogris gets on the FaceTime and he's like, hey, listen, that was really cute. I uh, I noticed you were trying to conduct a jailbreak. Can I help you there? <laughs> and uh, also, we have a kind of a lot of guns pointed at your head right now. Kind of a comical amount of weaponry is pointed at you. Yeah. And if you fuck around any further, you're going to find out. Chakotay not doing great as the commanding officer of the Voyager, I would say, in this episode up until now. Yeah. Because in this scene, uh, Agris has pulled down those pants all the way. Yeah, and everybody's like, so we agree, we definitely need to get Janeway back, right? <laughs> We're not going to go full makewees. Chakotay under his breath is like, why does this keep happening? It's <laughs> so fucked. Back down on the planet, we get a shot of just a solo motorcycle bad guy <laughs> keying something into a screen. And I was like, oh, cool. Janeway has changed into a, a stormtrooper costume mm -hmm. now. And then she like comes out from behind a corner and, <laughs> and shoots the guy. And I was like, never mind. That wasn't Janeway. Yeah. But I kept wondering why she didn't change into a stormtrooper costume. Why not? Why not? 
Would have been great. I love a dual wielding scene, though. Like, well, you get a cool moment if she does when she takes off her motorcycle helmet and then, like, whips out her hair. Right. If she came into the cell with Tuvok and BLT and Tuvok said, you are a little short to be a Mokra. God. Could you imagine pitching this? <laughs> That's what you start your pitch with. That is where your promotional trailer cuts from. Yeah. Not Janeway selling her body to save her crew. It's an outrage. But this this sets it off, right? Yeah. Now we are in full, like, jailbreak mode. Everybody is punching bad guys, and we're running through corridors up on the ship. BLT doesn't bring up the ladder, though, at any point, which I think would have been good information to have if you're trying to escape from the prison. Right, like, oh, you have guns? Maybe we could shoot some of the bars at the top of the cell. Right. Out, and then we'd be, like, not where they expected us to be going. You know, a lot of distractions up on the service level, a lot of lemon vendors... Yeah. For example. <laughs> no, no, sir. We just got to make sure there's plenty of them stacked at all times, just like the uh, chickens. You would not believe the size <laughs> of these lemons. Like, lemons so big you could cut them in half and wear them as a hat. <laughs> Which would be a great disguise so that the authorities don't suspect us. They'd be like, oh, that's a bunch of lemon hat guys. Yeah. Yeah. Don't mind them. Yeah. They're just being silly with the lemons. Up on the Voyager, they're like, uh... I don't know who is doing this, but something fucked up is going on at that prison. Like, there are, you know, shields getting disrupted, and uh, there seem to be firefights breaking out. There's enough distraction that this may be our people. And so Chakotay tells Paris, like, go down there. Let's assume that our people are taking advantage of this one way or another and use this distraction to our advantage to get out. I feel like Paris really kicks Chakotay in the balls here because... Chakotay and Kim are like, well, what do you think it means? And Paris is like, I've been to prison. (laughs) I can tell you exactly what this means. This is kind of why I'm here, guys. (laughs) So they're getting shot up on the ship. There's lots of like running through hallways and shooting bad guys down on the surface. They're like getting shot up bad enough that Chakotay is like, we probably like can't take any more of this and need to leave orbit before our ship gets destroyed. And this is when you start to understand why they had to have the warp nacelles fixed at the beginning of the episode. Like it was like a real, a really nice misdirect on the way the drama gets heightened because I would have thought that the drama getting heightened would be the ship is broken down and we can't escape, but it's like we can escape, but it is at the cost of like the original away team plus Paris now. Yeah. It's a big cost. Right. And Kim comes up with this thing of there's a storm uh, in the polar region. And, you know, when somebody has a storm in the polar region, they are not thinking a lot about, like, self-defense. No, not at all. So why don't we go hang out in that general vicinity? You need very clear consent before hanging out in someone else's (laughs) polar region, too. You'd never want to enter the polar region unless both parties are ready. Yeah. So that is going to buy them moments. And uh, down on the planet, Ogris has captured the escapees from the prison and is getting ready to summarily execute Janeway, pretty much. Joel Gray's decision here to get himself into curb stomp configuration really disturbed me. Like that he's biting the curb. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. He has a knife that he took off one of these guards earlier and winds up getting into a scrap with Ogris. He winds up getting shot, but Ogris has knife in the chest. And this is like the third moment where the guards 
do something that I don't understand, which is when Ogris like collapses, there's two guards down the hallway with guns who see that he has they're the the main guy, the big the boss enemy has died, and they just like walk away. Like what what are they doing? Maybe it's like the end of Gladiator. Like <laughs> the Emperor's dead and uh now I'm gonna go uh I'm gonna go check the lemon stand. Actually, yeah. I'm gonna clock out. Mm. Don't Weird. you hate it when you get fruit salad and it's like mostly lemon? <laughs> I don't know why you wear that kind of garment if you're Agris. What seems to be very uncomfortable as a look. Right. And it does not provide you with any defense from a knife wound or a melee weapon at all. Like, yeah. He's wearing it for looks? Really? I don't know. I think Kevlar can be cut with a knife, right? So maybe it's like phaser proof, but not knife proof. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. Yeah. The whole Kevlar comparison. I don't know. Maybe he's just got kind of a, he he like really admires Darth Vader's work and wants to dress like that. The emotional swings of this scene are so well done because you get the feeling of vengeance being served here in a way that I obviously really got with. Yeah. But also when Janeway gives the dying Calum the gift of his fabrication. And your mother. She's fine. She was so happy to get your letters. I was so affected by that. Yeah, because like when he's dealing with Ogress, Ogress makes fun of him for being as aloof and disconnected from reality as he, as he mm-hmm. is. In a way that is so needlessly cruel. Like, it, it really peaks the needle for Ogris being a bad person. And it's also, like, that reality being, like, shattered in a way. And he is d- now dying on the floor. And when Janeway comes to him, she inhabits the role of his daughter and lets him live in that fantasy for his last few moments before he shuffles loose this mortal coil in a way that is, I mean... I know I know what drop will play when I say this, but it is so humane of her. Why the very name is racist. Yeah, it really is. It's a great moment for Janeway as a character. Paris and Neelix show up in this scene <laughs> a little late to like provide any assistance in the in the rescue. I don't know why Neelix was like I like I didn't ever maybe I just missed it, but I don't know why Neelix like Paris went and grabbed Neelix for the for the return to the planet? Well, if they took a shuttle, it means they can stuff the back full of lemons. Oh. And bring them back to the ship. Oh, and that's great for the restaurant. And it sure is. you want Neelix to be the one picking out all the veg. It's so hard to choose a ripe lemon. Mm. I think people talk about it all the time. Yeah. Is it like a you like hit it with the with a knuckle, like you knock on it, or you like smell yeah. where the stem goes in or what? And Neelix does that. Neelix isn't always funny, but he does do that thing where he holds up two lemons to his chest like boobs. <laughs> yeah, like Austin Powers. Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Did you get that fruit basket I sent you? The button on the episode is the introduction of a new Captain's Trinket. Sorry, I just love Captain's Trinkets, you know? Mr. Kim giving kind of an update on repairs to the ship, the deflector and the warp nacelles and whatnot. And she spends a little, uh, a little moment alone with this necklace. She drapes it over her seat like Picard's Mintakan tapestry, <laughs> and it takes on the quality of like the taxicab beaded seat cover. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah. he really digs into her back. Yeah, it's like a it's like a massage, but it also like air can flow between her and her seat, so right. it doesn't get all sweaty and funky. And that's the end of the episode, Ben. Did you like it? It's an episode that I think has some like big problems with it, but I think that I like enough about the episode that I can look past them. I think that it's a really good Janeway episode. It's a very interesting planet. The villain is so good and so juicy, and Calum is such an interesting character that overall I think I did really like it. It's just that like I think that they probably needed like one more pass on the script to figure out why like how how to get the cops out of there when the cops get kind of like written out of a scene just arbitrarily. This is the problem with some video games, right? Like the dumbness of the AI. Yeah. And the cops in this episode take on those qualities of bad AI. Right. Yeah, and it's one thing when they, like, leave when Augurus gets stabbed, but it's another when, like, you're just watching two characters have a conversation in the bazaar, and, like, one of the cops is in the background, like, walking into a corner endlessly, Mm -hmm. and it's just the, he got trapped there, and the system can't figure out how to get him turned around and out, you know? Well, I'm with you, Ben. I really like the episode quite a bit for all the reasons you stated. I do want to point out, though... That one of the reasons I like the episode is also one of the ways that it is crippled because I love going onto a planet and into different sets and especially dark sets. And I thought that this was one of the worst telecine transfers that I've seen in Voyager or maybe in all of Star Trek. Wow. Because the dark parts of any composition in this episode were awful looking. Like yeah. it, the, the episode as a whole was so grainy in a way that I feel like on the brightly lit Voyager sets, you don't really get a read on that. Like it's it's super crisp right. most of the time because it's so well lit. But in episodes, it's something I want to look out for going forward. Like, do they just have a hard time with dark episodes and doing these transfers? Because I suspect that that's going to be an ongoing thing. It's interesting because DS9 is like the dark Star Trek. And yeah. they, at this point, have a lot of DS9 under their belt as a production company. There. And yeah, there are some parts where it gets really muddy in this episode. And I was watching it in my studio and there's like a big window in here and no no curtains on that window. And it, it definitely made it a little bit hard to watch. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, this is like another episode that really makes the case for getting HD remasters of these of these other Star Trek shows, like and how great that would be. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be awesome. I mean, it's just a matter of uh, will and, and money like anything else. And how many people would sign up for Paramount Plus if these shows were on there? Yeah. Like. I would guess enough to cover the cost. It, it seems impossible that it wouldn't be enough to cover the cost. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe one day. Maybe. But uh, But for right now, Ben, one thing that always comes in super sharp in HD are our priority one messages. Why don't we check those out? You've got a great point there. Let's go check them out. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we have a couple of priority one messages here. The first one is of a personal nature. It's from PhD Hans, and it's to Mensa Rick. 
goes like this. Thanks for tipping me off to this podcast with an obscure text message about some guy named DeSoto. Just finished listening to the first 176 episodes. Wow. Not sure yet if it's really my thing. I'll check back in after I finish catching up on DS9. Give it time. Yeah, don't uh, don't rush things, uh, W slash R slash T, your decision there, PhD Hans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd really reserve judgment for after DS9. And maybe really after Voyager. Yeah. Oh, I, I may be mispronouncing it. It's Hans. Yeah. I'm, it says here, Hans rhymes with Ponce, and Rick rhymes with Dick. Well, you've been having issues with pronunciation the whole episode. I guess so. I, uh, In your first read, Ben, like, I don't want to do too much of a peek behind the pod here. Yeah. You pronounced Hans as lemon. <laughs> I've been doing that a lot with a lot of words. <laughs> ben, our second priority one message is from You Know Who, and it's to Mark... The message goes like this. You're probably making brunch as you hear this, Mark. Mark, this is for you. Listen up. (laughs) You're 40 this year, and I love you. Wow. I love listening to this podcast with you. And I'm so lucky to be your husband. Wow. That's lovely. Mark's you-know-who, spreading the love. Man. Do they listen to the show over brunch? Sounds like you know who is very lucky to be married to Mark because I would I would love somebody to be preparing me brunch while listening to one of my favorite podcasts with me. I don't know. I think a case could be made that our show isn't appropriate for for mealtime. <laughs> Probably goes a long way in uh, in people losing their appetites. Mm. Many many times that has happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, well, if you would like to, uh, you know, send a P1, whether it's mealtime or not, uh, head to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and set that bad boy up. You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullets, I don't like friends, and I don't like you. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Drunk Shimoda! Sometimes my Shimodas take the shape of an award or a recognition. Yeah. And I think this is going to be one of those cases. Like, I just thought Joel Grey in this episode was amazing, especially his arc. We talked a little bit earlier about how important it was for his centerpiece scene to occur early. Yeah. So that we can begin to... Not only understand him as a character, but understand what's going on in the actor. Right. And I just thought that was beautifully done. And, you know, we didn't really talk a lot about it because the focus is so much on Janeway when when Calum dies. Yeah. Calum has a really great death scene here, too. Yeah. Which is done extremely well. And... I uh, I just loved watching him work throughout the episode, so I'm I'm just going to give my Shimoda to Joel Gray, who I've got to believe on a certain level uh, is having some fun here with this. I I read that he's someone who Star Trek wanted to be on the show for quite a while, and he never got into it until he read this script. So wow, uh, good one to choose, yeah. Joel Gray. Nice job, you're my Shimoda. Nice work, Joel Gray. I think I'm going to give it to that trio of guards that bust into Caleb's house. <laughs> um, just for the like the level of certainty they seem to have that they are about to get in an extremely intense firefight. Yeah. <laughs> uh that was my biggest laugh line. Um there was another moment when Calum does his has anybody seen my hat routine <laughs> where like 
one of the guards is like holding him and and another one like slaps his face a little bit and i have to assume that these guards are all like played by the same yeah extra actors i just think that the like they're the guards do funny shit like a bunch of times throughout this episode so collectively i think they are my drunk shimodas good shimodas you probably gave out more shimodas this episode than any other <laughs> i mean a cast of thousands of Shimodos. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's about time that we figure out what our next episode will be like. Our next episode is season two, episode 13, Prototype. After Torres reactivates a humanoid robot, she's drawn into a war between robotic enemies. Robot war sounds awesome. It really does. Let me watch that Robot War episode. Yeah. Currently, our runabout is on square 16 of the Game of Buttholes, The Will of the Caretaker. Uh, we've got a Quark's Bar just ahead of us on square 18. We Boy, that's all- that's not a great episode to do if you're recording Far From Home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we also have a His Eyes Uncovered, I think, that we could hit. Oh, we could, couldn't we? We sure could. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. So, uh, let me go ahead and roll this bone. Chula! Did I win? Hardly. But I rolled a one, Adam. We've inched closer to that Quark's Bar run, so we're 17, but we are, uh, going to be recording the next one regular. And I know there was no shenanigans there because I watched you do the whole thing. Yeah, I didn't I didn't mess with it. I didn't do that thing that Data does where he like squeezes the die in his fist yeah. and, and re-weights them somehow. No. That was on the up and up. That was on the up and up. Alright, well uh, I'm really looking forward to that. In the meantime if folks enjoy the show uh, and I'm talking to you out there dear listener, if you enjoy the show and would like to ensure its continued existence we need your support. We're a listener-funded show. So head to MaximumFun.org slash join to uh, get access to the bonus feed and get some free gifts. Yeah, a bunch of free ways to support the show, too. Uh, you can go to your podcatcher of choice. Give us five lemons, if you will. <laughs> or maybe even, uh, like I know on Overcast, I think it's just a single lemon thing. You star an episode or oh, yeah. star a show. Uh, and if you star that show, then Overcast will recommend it to other people who are yeah. in the discovery section of the, th- of the app. Yeah, that's easy and fast. Well, you know who also really helps is uh, the card daddy, Bill Tilly. He's our social media manager. That's true. He's the one out in those social media streets. <laughs> He's also the creator of, uh, of the world-famous Greatest Gen trading cards. Yes. Posts those all the time. But uh, as the social media manager, Bill Tilly also runs the official Instagram and Twitter oh, that's accounts true. for the show. Those are both at Greatest Trek. You'll also find him on the many places where Friends of DeSoto gather, places like the Discord at DrunkShimoda.com. Uh, there's also a Reddit, Miriam Facebook groups, and uh, and all the rest. On Twitter... Use the hashtag GreatestGen if you're talking about the show. And we got to thank Adam Ragusea, who made the original Janeway song that is the theme of this program. It, of course, was inspired by Dark Materia, who made the Picard song. Adam Ragusea's YouTube channel is a great place to learn how to cook, and we really recommend it. And with that, we will be back at you next week with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager and... An episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager that wishes that these robots were fully functional and programmed with 
multiple techniques instead of just fighting all the time. I mean, jeez. Jeez. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.